0: Hello, I'm Phil Rowland, and I'm excited to be back with our Head of Research, Samir Chopra, for our first edition of the House View for 2024. We've already chatted to a number of our major clients this year on our Talking Property podcast to find out what they're focusing on this year. So plenty of insights to inform our discussion today. And of course, a lot can happen in three months. Certainly a fair bit of water has run under the bridge, uh, which is shaping the operating environment that we're in. On a positive front, we're seeing signs of inflation moderating. Uh, We've probably seen peak interest rates. Employment uh, remains resilient. And it feels like we're getting to the top of uh, cap rate expansions. So all of which is flowing into what we can see as some improving investor sentiment. But of course, we are in a very, very volatile and uncertain geopolitical environment, which is deeply concerning, and we can also see some of China's economic woes uh, starting to heighten. In this edition of the House View, we'll be discussing CBRE's key predictions following the release of our Market Outlook report. Uh, We'll hit pricing, uh, investor intentions, vacancy, cost of living, and of course, we'll throw out some predictions that I'm sure will generate uh, some debate. So, Samir, let's get started. I'd like to kick off with the elephant in the room. Is it time to buy and would you go now or will you wait till later in 2024?
1: Phil, yeah, look, I'd say it is uh, time to get constructive on commercial real estate. Uh, I think there are three compelling reasons right now. Firstly, you know, my sense is that we're at the 9pm mark on repricing. So, in other words, you know, we're three quarters of the way through the cap rate expansion Markets have largely corrected. You know, super prime industrial cap rates are now, you know, 130 to 170 basis points higher than where they were 18 months ago. Office CBD prime is about 100 to 160 basis points higher. Retail and hotels by, you know, more modest, but 50 to 75. Living sectors by about 25. And I think bidders can achieve this sort of final stretch of cap rate expansion during negotiations. Secondly, Phil, I think, a bit more of a complex topic, but there is this thing called the denominator effect. Typically, a super fund you know, or an investor would have their portfolio allocation with about 60% sitting in shares, 15% in bonds, about 8% in real estate, and the rest sitting in cash. Recently, what we've seen is a very strong rally in shares and bonds. Uh, shares are up by about 20%. Bonds are up by about 5%. And so the portfolio allocation needs to be reset higher for real estate. My view is that, you know, new allocations may start to replace redemptions as we sort of go through 2024. And finally, Phil, you know, we expect bond yields to start descending. I've got bond yields at 2.75% over the medium term. They're currently about 4.1%, 4.2%. And this should spur investment activity.
0: Well, to contrast, I suppose, a bit of that, Samir, maybe I can just cover a little bit about what we're seeing in in the US. Cap rates have increased by roughly 150 basis points uh, between early 22 and and late 23, depending on on market and and asset type. And of course, this implies about a 20% decline in values for most property types, but We think cap rates have probably got a little way to go um, and may expand by about another 25 to 50 basis points in in 2024. Office cap rates uh, rose by at least 200 basis points. And similarly, there was a significant expansion in logistics by around 150 basis points. Retail by 160 and, and multifamily up about 180 basis points. Having said that, our most recent APAC Investor Intention Survey showed investors view Australia favourably in 24 uh, certainly alongside Japan and Singapore. And what that survey also indicated is by sector, uh, offshore investors are, uh, really like industrial probably the most. But I suppose just coming back to Australia, Samir, what about new developments? How are these being impacted by these higher cap rates? We've obviously got Elevated construction costs and, and of course, um, higher interest rates and cost of debt. So, how's all that kind of flying through and impacting uh, development pipeline?
1: Yeah, Phil, this is an area where you know we're working very actively with a number of clients. A lot of work going into investment cases for new developments, and it's tough, right? Like, let's say if you plug in today's cap rates, which are you know, let's say 150 basis points higher than where they were in you know two years ago. You add in another sort of 35 to 40% higher construction costs, put in you know debt sitting at six and a half, low single-digit rent growth. It's tough. It makes it really, really hard to stack up an investment yeah, case.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, we're seeing that a lot. But with vacancy at the levels they are across most sectors, even premium office, do you think rental growth could be better than low single digits?
1: There's definitely a case for that, Phil, and I think this is where we need to get a lot more sort of constructive mm-hmm. and clients need to get a little bit more micro into precincts. You know, my suggestion would be increase the rent at the outset. So rents could start off on a much higher bar for some of the latest warehouses, some of you know, the best offices or good residential sites. And there's a case to assume that you know bond yields return back the cycle average. So, yeah. you know, helping with that yeah. cap rate compression.
0: Yeah. All right. So given all that, Samir, what are
1: some of the angles that can be run here? We've got a couple of angles. So Phil, one, you know, I'd say we're seeing pockets of strength in Australia. Yep. And I'd suggest that, you know, investors can get very localized in the understanding of the dynamics. So, you know, even if you like look at office, in the last year, we saw a 25% spread in rent growth between parts of Melbourne and Brisbane. So you could have had exposure to office, and it could have been a great year or a tough year. So I'd say, you know, as as you think about the longer term, the first idea I'd have is, one, look at precincts. Uh, There's a lot of large-scale infrastructure development that the government is putting in, and, and we should write their coattails. You know, one is the Sydney Metro Rail. You've got the Western Sydney Airport, Melbourne's Arden Health District, Brisbane and Perth also have have rail lines going mm, in. Mm.
0: Yeah, I, I think the precincts and the infrastructure is a comparative advantage of a, of Australia. Absolutely, and and these precincts offer clients an opportunity to deploy money in a really programmatic way over a you know five, ten, fifteen year period, and importantly into a really diversified product. Um, and of course, we have large infrastructure investment, which really adds to the value and benefits of these select locations uh, and sectors. Last year I spent a, a quite a bit of time in Western Sydney and, and I'm, I'm always impressed by the sheer scale of what's being delivered. Um, you know, we've obviously got the Western Sydney Airport, which is due open in, in 2026, and this will be a game changer for the region's economy and its connectivity, particularly up into Asia, and, of course, the development of the surrounding uh, airtropolis. So you know, if you map that against... new metro line between the airport and Parramatta. You've got major motorway upgrades. You've got Parramatta Light Rail, uh, Western Sydney Parklands, which will create a a massive urban park. I think it's a lot larger than Central Park uh, in New York. So you combine all these sort of initiatives uh, and investment, it'll improve transportation, it'll create jobs and really boost Western Sydney's economic prosperity. And in a district that is home to 10% of Australia's population, I might
1: add. Yep. Massive. Massive opportunity. Look, our our second idea is that, you know, returns also vary a lot during periods of interest rate change. I expect that, you know, we'll have value investors hunting for undervalued office, like grade A type office. That's where we're seeing some clients. And also sort of shopping centre assets. But over longer periods of interest rate change, the assets that perform well are those that can sustain you know really strong rent growth and that's kind of my third idea you know beds med sheds or industrial healthcare residential and student accommodation should be well placed in this lower interest rate environment that hopefully we get in the next few periods our us team also favors this uh, industrial and and multifamily same thing strong fundamentals and I think, Phil, you know, retail has also got these improving fundamentals, supply-related, but improving fundamentals... Phil, any colour that you're getting from clients on uh, new sectors that they're looking at? Yeah, well, in in December,
0: when we had a set of interviews with a a number of Australian uh, real estate leaders. And and to your point around beds, meds and sheds, Samir, that is certainly a a recurring theme. You know, there's a a lot of focus on, on the living sector and alternative assets, you know, like healthcare and life sciences and product types like private hospitals Medical precincts, innovation districts, and and seniors living, so that that is definitely a, a core theme. But at the same time, there's an ongoing focus on strong performing core asset classes like industrial. And you know, to the point around sort of core asset classes, despite the lingering sentiment around office, there's real conviction from some of our clients around core office product, yeah. particularly premium assets, as we see that sort of new supply starting to shrink and, and occupiers continuing to focus on, you know, high quality assets that, you know, obviously plays into their their employment proposition. So so I, I think that um, you know those themes are coming through pretty strong.
1: Phil, you mentioned sort of core office, you know, what are we seeing in terms of our own Leasing volumes in CBRE's business in Australia.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yep. Well, maybe I'll take industrial first. Um, overall, industrial take up was about five hundred and thirty thousand square meters in the fourth quarter of twenty three. Um, that was down about twenty percent on a year on a year basis, but we did see a recovery in the fourth quarter compared to uh, the third quarter. And pre lease activity helped last year, even when the vacancy was was very tight. You know, just early indicators, January has had a, a reasonably promising start. Um, uh, on an inquiry basis, um, for office we saw more healthy levels of leasing activity throughout the year. Volumes grew about 25% uh, year over year, with a particularly strong second quarter. And of course, this was essentially driven by that momentum that was seen around the, the flight to quality, so that premium product and new developments. And of course, you know we've we've still got a, a fairly resilient labour market, and so that's what we're sort of seeing driving those kind of volumes. We are seeing it sort of come off a little bit, and I expect that to continue as um, as we see occupiers become just a little bit more cautious and we get through the sort of I suppose the backlog of of demand um, you know post pandemic so that was kind of a local angle Samir you know when you're talking to um, your international colleagues what are you hearing from them around the global leasing activity and, and particularly vacancy too
1: yeah Phil sort of similar to you know the points you're making about Australia leasing activity did slow down in 2023. But there were some really sort of interesting dynamics below the surface. So in office, you know, vacancy rates are being driven more by demand conditions, whereas in logistics and retail, it's much more a supply-related picture. So if you look at vacancy and logistics across the world, it looks like vacancy has increased by about 3% year-on-year, mainly because we've had a very strong supply response. In office... You know, vacancy was already very high in the US. It's running at 15 to 35% range, depending on the city. It's uh, in the high single digits in Europe, but showing signs of stabilizing. And in retail, you know, vacancy has improved uh, due to supply curves. And maybe just to give you some flavor around the numbers. So if you look at logistics, Chicago logistics vacancy is around 4%. In the UK, it's about 5%. In contrast, you know, Sydney and Melbourne vacancy is 06 and 1.5%. Yeah. So we have a you know, much, much tighter market here. You know, in office, vacancy in Washington, D.C. is 21%. In Ottawa, Canada, it's about 13 to 14%. London is 9 And then Canberra is 8%. So again, you know, sharper than some of our global comps and in shopping centers you know us vacancies now sub 5% that's about where we're sitting in australia as well
0: mm. maybe switching gears a little bit i just wanted to touch on cost of living uh, yep. it's obviously a, an important topic not only here in australia but but globally and it's a major concern amongst the business community amongst government and of course the you know the property sector even as some goods and fuel prices start to normalize you know it's very apparent that consumers are starting to feel that that massive pressure from higher interest rate costs, and of course, you know these basic necessities of rents and electricity and insurance, which you know do remain pretty elevated. In terms of the the one of the major considerations for the property sector is, is construction costs. Yep. So how are you seeing
1: that? Yeah, look, the cost of construction it's up by about forty percent over the last four years. So you know, along with sort of higher funding costs it's going to make it really hard to bring supply-based competition to the market. And I think that's the real worry. To to actually get inflation down, you need more supply. And with these high construction costs, these really tight funding markets, it's tough to bring new supply.
0: Yeah, look, and I think the sector that's – Obviously, feeling that the most is is in apartments. You know, supply of new apartments is sitting near decade loads of uh, 55000 a year. You know, we definitely need to accelerate that. And, of course, given the housing crisis, um, of course, a number of our clients are looking at affordable and essential worker uh, home opportunities, given the the need for uh, that type of housing. Samir, what are your thoughts on on the scale and timing of affordable and, and essential worker housing?
1: Yeah, Phil, I think the first thing people need to sort of understand is it takes about three to five years to drop supply into the market. So, you know, I think delivery of this affordable and essential worker home opportunity will take three to five years before it starts to gain traction. And after that, it might be possible to start delivering something in the range of a few thousand apartments under some sort of scheme. But in the short term, because this is a near-term issue, there's scope for higher rent relief subsidies, I think, to manage cost of living challenges.
0: Yeah, yeah. Just staying on that for a second. So what type of subsidy, you know, might be needed, do you think, to
1: provide that kind of rent relief? Yeah, look, rents are up a lot. You know, rents in Parramatta are up 20% in the last 12 months. They're up 20% in the southwest of Perth. They're up 17% in in North Melbourne. So, you know, realistically, a subsidy would need to be – in the range of fifty to hundred dollars per week, just to offset some of this cost growth that we've had. Now you know we know that a third of Australians are renters, and if you offer this to the ten percent of families that are really struggling, then I think you know the annual cost of the government's only about seven fifty million. It's very doable.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, you know, rental affordability is obviously not just an Australian issue. It's a it's a global phenomenon. You know, we're seeing this in in the US, the UK, Spain. Singapore, you know, New Zealand. And of course, it's partly driven by the attractiveness of, of global gateway cities. And, and there are a handful of cities and countries that have, that have really picked up significant inflow of, um, of new migrants. So this demand shock is causing real outsized challenges in, in housing. And of course, the property sector really does need to keep, you know, offering up the sort of creative solutions in close coordination and partnership with government, um, to address these kind of challenges. Samira, I just wanted to get towards the end of our kind of discussion here, and and it's time for our controversial predictions. And we can revisit these in three months, and we'll see who's (laughs) who's right um, and see where we land. So I I thought we'd hit three things, vacancy, office visitation or CBD visitation, and interest rates. Yep. So uh, perhaps we can start with vacancy. What's your prediction there?
1: Phil, I expect that we will see vacancy stabilizing or falling across the board in late 2024, all sectors. So I'd expect that, you know, vacancy rates in office, retail and residential will be lower in the second half than the first half of 24. And maybe we'll see this in logistics as well. That's a tougher one. And this is because of Supply getting pushed back and still strong occupier activity. I think supply is getting crunched. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, I can kind of see that. I'm I'm, I'm a little uh, more cautious than you on on how quickly occupiers are, are kind of making leasing decisions, particularly in logistics where the take up was was so strong in, in twenty one and and 2022. So uh, you know we could still see uh, vacancy rising. What about uh, return to office?
1: Yeah, return to office. I expect that peak day CBD visitation or office attendance will be at similar levels to 2019. And I think we'll see it pretty soon. Um, It's been encouraging, Phil, just to see the CBDs are very busy in Jan. You know, people seem to really come back. And our data into the fourth quarter of of last year was suggesting that, you know, peak day visitation was running at 83% of sort of pre-pandemic levels in Sydney and and almost close to 100% mm. in Perth. Mm.
0: Yeah, I, I think that general trajectory of um, people coming back to CBDs and the general trajectory of people returning to office is positive and, and there's no reason to see that slide. And I think, you know, We've clearly seen a lot of a lot of organizations just continue to reinforce the importance of being together, having the in- person experiences you know a lot of the the way that office precincts uh, are being curated uh, is really helping in that regard so and, I, and you know whilst hybrid work is something that is here to stay i don't necessarily see that as being the kind of the, the demise of office or, or necessarily you know we see visitation come back. Okay, interest rates. Last one.
1: This will probably be my most controversial one. Uh, I expect at least two interest rate cuts in Australia during 2024. It'll start around the third quarter, and and the reason I'm, you know, probably in that space is the interest rates are very restrictive right now. People are paying about two to two and a half percent more in interest rates than they would in normal circumstances, and you know this is also making further. Challenges and contributing to a tight supply market in real estate down the road, uh, very much the case in residential. So I'm expecting, yeah, Phil, at least two, at a touch, maybe even three. Oof!
0: All right, well I then I might put the money on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think uh, on this one, Samir, I'm, I'm not sure I'm with you. I, I think um, whilst that would be welcome, I'm just not sure about that. I just think the the strength of migration, you know, the the resilience we're still seeing in employment, I think that's going to make that case difficult. But we'll see.
1: Well, Phil, I think uh, I'll try and have more certainty on my interest rate predictions rather than whether Australia will lose a cricket game. <laughs>
0: Oh, very good. Well, on that note, I hope you've enjoyed our latest edition of Talking Property, The House View. Uh, Samir and I will be back with our next House View in early April. So if you like what you're hearing, uh, be sure to subscribe. And in the meantime, CBRE will be releasing uh, new Talking Property episodes each fortnight. So let us know if you have any topics you'd like us to discuss via Property at cbre.com.